listening to the CD Baby. CD Baby. CD Baby. DIY Musician Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 137 of the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast. My name is Kevin Bruner, your host for the show. And today you're going to hear from Shanta Thake, the director of Joe's Pub in New York City. Joe's Pub at The Public is one of New York City's most celebrated venues for emerging and established performance artists. Named for public theater founder Joe Papp, Joe's Pub debuted in 1998 and plays a vital role in the public's mission of supporting young artists while providing established artists with an intimate space to perform and develop new work. They book an astonishing 800 shows a year, many of which are performances by independent artists of all genres. If you're an artist trying to get the attention of club bookers or book a tour, you're going to find lots of useful info in this interview. So let's get to it. Well, joining me on the line is Shanta Thake. Shanta, how are you? I'm doing great. You are the director at Joe's Pub and uh, which is uh, a venue there in New York City. Um, why don't you start out by telling us about yourself, your, your history in the, in the music business and, and how you ended up at, at Joe's Pub and, and about the venue, because it's kind of a unique venue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been working at Joe's for about 12 years um, and I have been the director here since late 2007. So about... Uh, about seven years that I've been the director of the space. And I also am the one of the co-producers of Global Fest, which is a world music festival and nonprofit service organization for world music, international music, um, that really tries to bring that type of music, music based in traditional forms into the mainstream in North America. So those are sort of my two day to day roles. And, um, And how I got started at Joe's was really, you know, I had always had a deep love of music and theater and um, went to school for theater. But when I moved to New York, realized that I did not want to be an actress and uh, and at the same time really fell in love with being sort of behind the scenes at the theater and realized how creative it could be. Uh, to work in administration, which doesn't sound that glamorous, but I really actually loved it. And, uh, and being around all the artists that I loved. And, and once I realized that I knew that I would prefer to work in music where the pace is a little bit faster in terms of, um, how you get to a show. And, and, um, I felt like the emotion behind the music was just so much more immediate that it, I wanted to be more a part of that world. And uh, Joe's Pub is a unique venue because it's part of the public theater. The public is a large nonprofit theater in downtown New York. And there are five other theaters in the building and then Joe's Pub, which is its music venue. So we are nonprofit, which is one big difference than most clubs um, around the country. And we're also guided by this mission of the public theater, which is multifaceted, but really, you know, what the piece that we take of it is really to reflect sort of the diversity of the city of New York and on our stages, whether that's through the type of music that we present or the, um, where artists are within their career and really try to get the biggest diversity on our stage as we can. And really also try to work with artists and, 
figure out with them what the best way to build their careers uh, and make it much more of a long-term relationship than just one-off shows. Well, cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because it's been years since we've talked to somebody who uh, worked at a venue, worked with booking, <laughs> booking, uh, booking bands and artists, and, and a lot has changed in the industry, but also you guys are a very unique venue. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm curious, I, I've, I've seen uh, pictures of the venue online, and it looks like an amazing room. Is there some sort of history beyond uh, Joe's Pub uh, for that room or did, was it built in, in 98? Uh, it was, it was before, before that room was Joe's pub. It was really like an administration building and the entrance, uh, to the building for the public theater. So like I said, there's five other theaters in the building and this was just sort of a big room where, you know, there was sort of a front desk and people would come in and it was where office supplies were stored. And, uh, and then they did a big campaign with the city to raise money, um, for a couple things in the building. And one of those was Joe's pub. And when they realized that there were sort of three columns in the room, but not one where there should have, where there would nor where you would normally expect one. So there was sort of a columnless area of the room <laughs> and, uh, the artistic director at the time, George Wolf, uh, you know, remembers walking into that room and thinking, oh my God, there should be a stage there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we got to fit it in. So so it really did start in 1998 as okay. this, you know, cabaret space within the building. Wow. Well, they did a great job with it because uh, the photos I saw online, it looked just like a really cool classic venue that could have been there for years and years that just the way it's laid out and set up, I thought was, was uh, would make it a, a very enjoyable place to see a band and also a great place to play as an artist. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. It's very intimate and uh and it's definitely a listening room. You know, people don't come to just like chat with their friends while a show is going on. It's really you're there to listen to the music or see the show. It's, um, you know, I, I have artists tell me all the time that it feels like that's a room where they have literally everyone's attention. Uh, what, even the wait staff, you know, you got to convince them to keep doing their job. <laughs> so as as the director, what are your your day to day duties and as far as like in, involvement with bringing in the talent and, and I guess you should also talk about the, the kinds of shows you guys do. Cause you guys do a wide variety of, of programming and, and the way you run, it's a little different than the average club as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, my responsibility is really to maintain the sort of vision and make sure that we're staying on mission for Joe's pub. And what that means in reality is looking at our calendar uh, looking at the way we're marketing ourselves and make sure that it's clear that we're really trying to be as artist forward as we can be and uh, that we're giving as much equal attention as possible to the, you know, we'll have anywhere from 12 to 18 shows a week. How are we positioning those artists and those shows in a way that makes it feel like they're each getting their own attention um, and that we're really taking care of these shows? And uh, on the booking side, you know, I work with our associate director, and we're looking at the calendar daily and sort of going through and looking at the artists that we have held on dates, looking, making sure that we are maintaining the sort of variety of genre and also looking at whether it's all established artists or regional touring artists or if there are some emerging artists within that that we're making sure that we're finding a place for them as well. And, uh, and then the quality, really maintaining the quality of the artists that we're putting on our stage um, from any genre and making sure that also the lights and sound are at their highest level. So I'm sort of meeting with my staff regularly just to make sure that we are 
um, doing what we say we do, which is to uh, have this great sound and lights and great production value while having, you know, the best of whatever genre we are presenting and being able to talk about it in a way that's appropriate. Um, well, you said two things there that, uh, I want to, that kind of send us down two different paths that I want to chase after a little bit, get a little more details. But, uh, um, one of them being that you, you mentioned the idea of what you're doing to give each show, uh, kind of its attention, the artists that it needs to, you know, that what they need to get the word out and all that. What, as a, as a club booker, I kind of want to go down the, the route a bit of talking about what you role and what you think the venue's role should be in that. I know that's kind of a, a sore subject for a lot of artists when they play clubs and such. They, they feel like, why isn't the club doing anything to care about this show um, and just kind of expecting me to bring everything to the table? Or at least that's how they feel. That's how it gets perceived a lot. And the other thing you mentioned that we can go down the road a little bit is how you curate and, and put on shows and some of the more details about uh, how you bring in artists and such. But as, as far as the venue itself, how, how do you see your role is helping spread the word? And what are the, the typical things you do per show in order to help get the word out there about what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, it changes all the time. And so we're, we're trying to figure that out as well, which I think artists also, you know, I think when you're an artist, you're expected to also be a marketing expert and a business manager. And, you know, that's the like, the hardest thing about being an artist is that you're expected to basically be able to run a successful business and do every single piece of that um, very well. And it's exhausting. And and it's, I think, not appropriate for an artist to be, to expect our artists to be experts in all those fields. I mean, that's what we're hired to do. So, um, you know, we, again, we have this issue, not issue, but um, the reality of volume. And I have one person on my staff doing press. I have one person doing marketing. Um, and there are, you know, how many gajillion ways that you can promote your show, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, you know, there's new ways of using social media every day. And so what we're trying to do is help. What we try to do is ask the artists for all the tools that they can give us up front. So what is your Instagram name? What's your Twitter name? What is your, um, give us a high res image, please. God, give us a high res image. <laughs> that is one big piece of advice. It's amazing it, it, how hard it is to get that from artists sometimes. Oh God, it's so hard. And it's the only way that we can really help you in a lot of cases. And the, and then getting, you know, the media that we need. And we ask for that upfront. And a lot of times it takes a while to get all that information. And once we have it though, it's really helpful just in terms of building the page for you. You know, we have a pretty robust website that has all of that media, um, on there per artist and can really build something that looks really cool and artists can be proud of sending out. And so we, um, we really try to provide that. And then we look at the shows, you know, some artists are more established. They're going to sell out the show easily. We're not going to spend as much time on those. Some artists have their own publicists. We just are trying to like touch base with them and see, you know, what can we do? What can you do? And then the rest of the artists, which is the majority, I would say, we're really looking at, okay, what is a story that we can tell? Do we have a lot of country music this week, this year, you know, or this month? So let's try to group those artists together and get it out to our country list. Um, and again, I think 
we're in a different position than I think a lot of clubs in that we have a pretty, a really robust database. We have um, a lot of information on who our audience is and what they've gone to, which is not the case for a lot of these small clubs where it's one, you know, person basically running the show. Mm-hmm. And so that can be really difficult. So just from the club perspective, I think I'm also happen to be fortunate in the way that we are staffed up to at least be able, we have the tools to be able to help in a different way. Um, and then of course we're talking to the artist and want it. We need to know who is your audience who we're not just going to have, you know, 200 people show up to a band they've never heard of. We need to know, we need help in finding the right people and we're going to set you, try to set you up for success anyway. We don't want, and it's not in any club's interest to have a band that can't sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, once we book you, the idea is we believe in you enough to think that you are you should have an audience. So if you can't find that audience, we certainly are going to help you try to find it in whatever way we can. And when I hire people, that's a big part of the conversation is that every artist that comes in should feel like you are their marketing manager. You are their publicist. You are not just a publicist that happens to work at a venue that you're playing at. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's probably more unique than it should be. Um, but that's certainly, I think, an ideal that people should try to aspire to and something that we're aspiring to. It doesn't always happen, um, but we try to at least do something for every artist that's on our stage. I know you, you book a lot of independent artists. Are a lot of those artists coming from the New York city area or you have a a healthy um, amount of people that are just on tour from other places? Uh, I would say a lot are from New York, just based on who we're seeing, you know, who we're, going out to see in smaller venues or venues where there's just uh you know a bucket being passed around or whatever the the shows that we're seeing on a regular we meaning my staff that are out and about every day um those tend to be new york city artists Mm -hmm. um just because they can actually afford to play like that or you know can need to play out more often in the venues that we go to that are cheaper Mm -hmm. and uh but we have a fair amount of touring acts that are emerging and but what we would do with them is generally speaking we'd put them on a split bill or see if we can pair them with somebody that can help get an audience for them unless they haven't established but in terms of independent like having no agent or manager um it's a little bit harder just to have access to those bands and be able to find those audiences for them Mm -hmm. um but we do it all the time i mean it, it definitely happens we're talking to an artist right now that's coming in from columbia that we're trying to figure out, okay, how can we really get an, if we book this show, we want to make sure that, so we're finding another Colombian band from, uh, that's based in New York and working with a publicist that works with Latin American press a lot more often and we're bringing her on to help us sort of think of the different people we can reach out to about that show. Um, that kind of that kind of leads into the the other half of the equation I wanted to talk about and, and how you guys go about getting artists. Um, I don't I'm not I, I don't think you mentioned the amount of shows you guys are doing. I know when we talked uh, like last week, you mentioned that you were doing a lot and, and the variety of genres that you do. Why don't you talk about, a little bit about that to kind of give some perspective uh, of to the kind of artists you guys have on a typical basis? Yeah, we um, we book about seven to 800 shows a year, closer to 800. And of those shows, um, I would say we do a lot of, 
you know, cabaret type music. So a little a sort of mixed genre theater music. Uh, the room is a cabaret room, so it sort of lends itself to that. And there's a really vibrant scene in New York for that. Um, we do a lot of uh, singer-songwriters, world music, um, jazz. We don't do as much of because there's so many jazz venues in the city that sort of only do that. Um, but a little, we really do try to do at least a little bit of everything. You know, heavy stuff doesn't really fit that well in Joe's, so we don't do a lot of that. Uh, but we do gospel choirs. We've got performance artists. <laughs> um, really a mix of everything. A lot of R&B lately and some hip hop. Um, but we're, we're always trying to look at that when we're looking at our calendar and make sure that we don't have a week of just like white singer songwriters. Um, but also making sure that we don't have a, like two months where we don't have any white singer songwriters. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so looking at sort of who is the audience, how do we really get, make uh, many different communities feel, um, like Joe's pub is a place that they can, uh, go and see something that, it's going to affect them in some way. And uh, it's probably worth noting that it's also a venue where a lot of very big uh, mainstream artists like to come and do special events as well because it's such a cool, intimate room that uh, you've got had numerous type events there based around like a, a, a major artist doing a, a smaller performance for some like a, a release or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. We really try to do... Um, to be a space, I think because of how intimate the room is and how uh, artists feel really comfortable in the room that we talk to established artists and their teams a lot about, you know, why don't you, if you have a new project that you don't necessarily want to debut at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> you know, maybe you want to do that at Joe's Pub and get the critical mass around. Maybe you invite the New York Times and all the press you want there and your fan club and, uh, and we've had a lot of success with that. And that, to me, is really exciting to have those type of artists working on that type of work, whether that's uh, Pete Townsend doing, you know, this In the Attic series with his wife, Rachel. Uh, Amy Winehouse did her U.S. debut at Joe's Pub. Adele did her U.S. debut at Joe's Pub. Tanarowin did their U.S. debut at Joe's Pub. So it's also just a great room to have sort of that big, splashy New York show. Um but we also, you know, Dan Wilson is here this week from Semisonic, who's also just an incredible songwriter. Uh, and he's just working on sort of this new idea of a show, which is called Words and Music. And it's him telling stories about how he wrote these songs. You know, he wrote songs with Adele and the Dixie Chicks and, and what that process is like for him and just telling these amazing sort of behind the scenes stories. So it's not a Semisonic concert. It's not just Dan Wilson singing for an hour and a half, it's really this different experience. And for him, Joe's Pub is a perfect fit for that, something like that. Whereas if he comes back through with a different project that's just him singing, maybe Joe's Pub is not where he wants to try that out um, because he can, you know, just do that and feel very comfortable doing that in front of anyone. Yeah. Um, you said that you are doing over 800 shows a year, which is a ton. And you, you, I uh, mentioned uh, when we talked in the past how you do like three shows a night and somebody plays and you clear the room, then there's a show at a later time. Um, you must be booking or going through an enormous amount of material in order to book that many artists. Uh, yes. Tell, tell us about that process. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where, you know, 
we all, artists always have a ton of questions like how do we get you to listen to us and uh, so just tell us how that process works for Joe's Pub. Yeah, uh, I mean, basically, um, myself and our associate director get about, I would say, between two and 300 emails a day. And <laughs> oh, man, that's... that's on, you know, obviously not all of those are about booking, but a significant portion of them are. Um, and it's about using the filters that we have. So the agents that we trust, the managers that we like, the other, if they're referencing other artists that we know of, um, that's all really helpful. Anything to sort of narrow the field a little bit and allow us to sort of hear your music without hearing it in a way. Um, and then the next step, once we get past that initial thing is to actually listen to the music. So, um, we won't book anyone without actually hearing the music. So if you write us and say, you know, we sell 150 tickets and a ton of drinks, um, that is of really no interest to me if I don't like the music. Um, and and we try to keep a real open mind as far as that's concerned because obviously I don't want just my taste to dictate what I think the rest of New York City wants to hear. But um, but really looking at the material and being able to sen- get a sense of is this a fit for us. Um, but the first step is really like figuring out who your filters are and who are, even if you've um, never performed in New New York before do you have do you know like a certain community that you know will come out to the show have you do you have a band that you you know somebody else that you know in New York that you've worked with all the time that you know would put in a good word for you um or you can put their name in the subject line friend of so and so um that's to us incredibly valuable and it's really impossible to respond to everybody every day it's just not going to happen so I would say on top of that um really persistence is, you know, unfortunately for all of us, (laughs) the way to do it. And, and that means just, if you don't hear a response, it doesn't mean that we hate your music. (laughs) It just means we probably haven't read your email or we just haven't gotten to it yet. And, and that is, that's just sort of the, the plight of being on this side of things is just the overwhelming quantity of things to listen to and respond to. And it's a great problem to have, um, but it's a problem nonetheless. And um, if you can help us out by just making sure that you're sort of front and center in our lives. And I guarantee you, if somebody emails me, you know, 10 times over the course of the year, eventually I'm going to figure out how to get them in if I like the music. And even if it's just for an opening slot or figuring out, you know, another venue that I think they might be a good fit for, Mm -hmm. um, that that ha- that will happen eventually. It's just unfortunate that it sometimes takes a while to break through. Do you ever respond with feedback saying, look, I don't think your music's uh, going to fit at, at our club and it's okay if you stop emailing us? <laughs> <laughs> um, those emails are really hard to write because it's obviously you don't want to like crush someone's dream. Um, but I think it's important to know as a band or as an artist, you know, my opinion, the opinion of a venue is not the be all end all. It just means that it's not a good fit. And people email us all the time with bands that you're like, this is, why are you wasting both of our times with this? We are not a fit for you. This doesn't make any sense. You have played in New York. You, you know, the email will be like, we're a heavy metal group. We sell 20 tickets. Uh, and we're, 
awesome. We're going to be, you know, in your neighborhood at this time. And it's like, well, that to me is not, you're not, you're not understanding where we are in the marketplace or where, how you would fit into what we do. And I, you know, there's a million venues in New York. I also get a ton of emails that are just where they copy every venue in New York. (laughs) <laughs> and that's another yes. way of being like, well, that's one's just deleted. But I would say, yeah, we send emails to people all the time that are just like, this isn't a fit for us right now, but keep us updated with where you're playing in New York. And, uh, and that's something that I think people rarely do that. You know, w- once we, once we send that email out, I rarely hear from people again. <laughs> it's like, yeah. here's when I'm playing again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, we mean that, you know, we go see music. That's our job. So we would like to see your band if it happens to be on a night where we're not seeing another band or it makes sense. So I would say to keep us in the loop so that when it is appropriate, we're there and we can be around. Um, but yeah, we send emails like that all the time. I won't ever say I don't like your band, but I will say this isn't, this doesn't feel like a fit for us right now and you know, stay in touch or don't. Well, you said something that that was interesting, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone say before, but the idea of inviting the club booker to your show at another venue. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) But... But, uh, you know, I could could tell you that a lot of artists, they start to get frustrated thinking that I I understand not answering email. I mean, because I'm in the same boat here at CD Baby with with the amount of email I get. It's like sometimes it's just like, I'm sorry. I want to go home and see my family at some point. Um, But uh, it's it's good to hear you say that you're not getting angered by someone's persistence as long as they're being respectful and understanding that uh, you the, the kind of position you're in with how much volume you get. Yeah. And and I've had definitely artists that have written back and been like, oh, you know, God forbid you actually respond to my email or (laughs) after like the third time and they're putting it in the email, the subject of the email, third try. (laughs) And that's that's like, okay, I get it. But (laughs) it's, it's, it's certainly, I would love to be able to um, respond to everyone. And I, and I do, I do hope that that's how everybody feels because it is our job to respond to the people that want to play here. And, um, but again, we have a lot of people that aren't really that don't really know about the venue at all that are just want to play a venue. And I think it's also important to know it. One thing to definitely sort of hone as you're an artist is what are the venues that make sense for me? Learn about the venues in your town, learn about the venues in other towns that you want to tour to and what are actually, what's the right space for your type of music and your band and, um, and, so that you're not just emailing 30 people over and over again. You should only be emailing like the two people that it actually makes sense for you to email. And, and then also knowing how to approach them in a way that, that makes them open your email. (laughs) As as far as bands that are outside of the New York area, does it make a difference to you if they're on a tour? I know um, for us that aren't in New York city, it seems like this, really challenging place to get into as an mm-hmm. outsider. Um, but if, if you see a band that's, you know, for whatever reason, their, their email catches your eye, you open it, they're saying, hey, we're playing on, we're on tour, trying to find a New York date. And then you check out the music and you like it. Is, it, is that something that helps, like knowing that they're on tour or is it doesn't even matter to you guys? Uh, that doesn't really matter to us because we're just, 
we're just one spot within. The only thing that matters is really the range of dates and how available the band is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if they're only available on one date, obviously the the chances of being able to fit it in on that exact date are not as good. Um, but I would say that being on tour to me doesn't really, that doesn't jump out at me as being something that I would like automatically get into. Um, and, and would change my perspective on the band at all. It would really be about again, like what are the different, why does this band make sense at Joe's pub and what are the angles that we can push from our side and from their side in terms of who do they already know in New York? What is, um, what's past history like? What is, what are other people that they have connections to or different things that are going on in their world, whether it's, you know, having a new album out Mm -hmm. or, um, having some new, um, thing to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Just what is the story? Like, why are you, because New York is, you know, where you're going to get your press and where you're going to get your, it's a big moment on a tour or, you know, or otherwise. So what is it about this performance that's going to be special? Um, so that we can help see the story around it so that we, you know, so that we can make sure that it's a success. Now, since you guys do uh, up to like three shows an evening, are those typically just solo shows in the in the sense that there's just one act for each show? Or are you building a bill? And and partly the reason I ask is because I know that sometimes artists and I've had this happen to me with some of my projects have had success by putting together a bill and going to a venue saying, "Hey, we're friends with this band and this band. We've all played all these shows, and here's a really strong bill, and we know that this combination can can." pack it out and yeah I think that's great that's always a good that's always a good thing I mean for us I think more so than most we're a little more challenged in that way because of the time restrictions you know we have like a seven o'clock and nine thirty and an eleven thirty um so you're talking about 90 to 70 minute sets and if you're packet the way we package things generally is either like an opening artist for 20 minutes and then the headliner for an hour or we do a split bill with like 45 minutes each and, uh, and yeah, I think that that's absolutely certainly helps Okay. Um, in terms of figuring out the viability of a band. Well, I found on your website that, uh, part of the mission is supporting young artists. And I'm kind of curious since you guys are a nonprofit, um, mm-hmm. how some of the deal structures might work, especially with the independent artists. You, I know you've got a lot of independent music you're booking, and uh, w- one of the hot topics here uh, in, in, in the independent artist community in general is how um, independent artists tend to be treated by venues, whether it's uh, they have to pay in order to play like pre-sale tickets or uh, getting kind of second class citizen treatment compared mm-hmm. to, you know, like a, a bigger tour. So I'm just kind of curious how a typical deal might be structured at, at Joe's Pub as far as what you pay, what the artist should expect, um, the kind of maybe some of your thoughts and opinions even on that subject. Yeah, um, we don't do any sort of pay-for-play uh, situation at Joe's. Uh, and we, if we book you, we sort of, we're, again, we sort of stand behind you. Um, and we're pretty democratic or I don't even know if democratic is the right word socialist <laughs> in the way that we approach it in terms of like, basically everyone gets the same deal, which is a door split based on the ticket price. So if your ticket price is lower, your splits a little bit lower. 
if your ticket price is higher, your split's a little bit higher. And, um, and that's what we do across the board. It doesn't matter if you're Pete Townsend or, you know, you are a solo guitar player that has like had one gig in your life and you're opening, um, for another artist. That's, that's our deal. Um, so in that way, you know, I think we really are working to pay our artists more all the time. I feel like it's so difficult to be a musician. Um, and, and that's a reality that we're trying to work uh, within and, and try to help and, and, uh, really improve when we can. Um, but the realities of it are that, you know, what we do now is door split and, um, and that's the same no matter who you are. And we don't do, um, there's no minimums for artists. There's no bar minimums. Um, and we provide all the tech, and support, you know, so the lights, the sound and a sound check and tech is all part of just getting booked. There's no payment for any of that. So nothing really comes off the top. Oh, and, that's very nice. uh, and we feel like that's a good starting place for an artist and, and allows people at least the chance to really be successful, um, without having them actually lose significant amounts of money mm-hmm. on the date, although of course we know the realities of actually paying all your band members and and what that means um, when you don't sell out the room, and so again, I think it's something that we're trying to work um, to get better at and look at gar- and a guarantee structure and what we could do there, even if it's just a minimum per person. But right now we're working within this uh, fee structure unless we raise a lot more money uh, <laughs> to help uh, another model emerge. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very, very fair. I mean, uh, a lot of artists, the, the door split tends to be pretty common, but uh, a lot of times it's the door split, but then you get the list. Oh, we had to pay the sound man this. We had to, uh, there was, there was a, uh, there, I don't think they do it anymore, but a venue here in Portland where, uh, you'd get the settlement sheet that, you know, settle up at the end of the night and, there would be $150 for catering and catering was literally a bowl of chips, some salsa <laughs> and like a 12 pack of PBR That's grand total of like eight bucks. And you know, you're paying $150 for it. That's this, a great idea. Thanks for, thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> all right, no more. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I don't want to get <laughs> but the other thing that I should just mention, um, is that we also are looking at different ways of working with our artists, which is like, we are starting an artist in residence program. So where we really like, I don't want to use the word mentor because that sounds like there's sort of a, a higher hierarchy within that, which it's not really that, but, um, bringing in artists and allowing them to, um, set up meetings with the people that they want to meet with, whether that's if they're looking for agencies or they're looking for a manager, um, if they want to just set up their website and they can't afford to set up a website. So we've been like really working on this program to have artists in residence that are generally, you know, local artists, uh, that we work with all the time that we really want to help get to the next level. And then we also do a commissioning program for artists that we are trying to, um, pair them with theater artists and have them create new works of theater. And so those are different ways that we have tried to, one, address the crumbling music industry, you know, in, in its last form and, and try to allow artists new tools of figuring out how to um, make a living, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this wor- new world uh, that isn't 
um, or that, you know, now that the model is based around a live show and, you know, how to get their material out to the right people and have these connections with their fans, how can we help facilitate that and help their live show and help, um, all of those pieces. And then, um, and also trying to get them to be able to have a different, um, be able to access the world of funding that theater and dance have, but that music really doesn't have, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of nonprofit, uh, grants for theater work. And, um, that I think a lot of musicians just don't know about. Oh, yeah, that is interesting since you guys are tied in in that way. Because I know like in Canada, it's pretty common for artists to get grants and, and such. Oh, yeah, but, absolutely. But here in the States, that's a foreign concept to musicians. Um, before, I had a couple last questions. One of them, uh, well, I'm curious, as, as somebody who's running a venue and booking artists, and what is are a few things or just one or something that you see artists doing that drives you, drives you crazy, both before booking, like when, before you've uh, booked the, the, the show and after the show, like day of the show, when, when, when mm-hmm. things are going down, what, what are the things that artists do that you, you wish you could say, please don't do that because now's your <laughs> chance. <laughs> you, you have the podium. <laughs> um, I think there's not a lot that I would say across the board annoyances. The ones that I've already mentioned, like really making sure you have high res images is so key. We can't really, it's really, it's shocking how little you can do if you don't have a high res image in terms of getting press placement and getting anything on our website and getting um, people to actually, you know, we make our own posters here. We can't make a poster of your band if there's no image. Um, So I think that's one thing that I would just say is a good starting point. Um, annoying things. I would say, I don't know. Um, come on. I know. I know. <laughs> I feel like I should bring in Ben, who's our artist relations manager. Cause he's always uh, on the front line of that. But I think, um, you know, attitude is everything, right? So we're here to work for you and with you. But when an artist comes in and is really, um, sort of angry from the start about everything that's ever happened, <laughs> whether it's a guest list issue or, you know, um, nobody like helped them carry in an amp or who knows, you know, but I think really how you approach a venue staff is so important in how, you know, we have, um, interns that work here that also like fill out reports on like, how did a show go? And if the artist is rude to them, that goes into that report that we just have forever, you know, so that the next time that artist comes to play, wants to play, we're looking at that report and being like, oh, yeah, but that guy was such a jerk to our like 19 year old intern for no reason and didn't, you know, and demanded more drink tickets than we could give. And, you know, and for the most part, I think being just delightful in any situation like that is is a. will go a long way and certainly helps. And I think also, you know, I hate to put this burden on an artist, but I think also saying thank you after an event uh, also happens very rarely. And um, and it's nice. It's so nice to get a note from an artist that says, hey, that went really well, or this went great and this could have been better, or I didn't really, I didn't get why my dressing room was on the first floor, but thanks for everything, um, <laughs> Is also will also go 
such a long way in terms of coming back to that venue. And I think you work so hard to get a gig. And then when you get one, you know, hold on to that person, <laughs> that contact. There's that can be your, you know, tour forever if you play it right. And if you are the we have an artist who sold like 30 tickets the last time he played here, but he was so nice to everyone and the show was awesome. You know, we worked really hard to get people out and it didn't work for that. And he, but he was like the most delightful human. And now we're just trying to figure out any way we can get him back in the room the next time he's in town and how we can make it better and what can we can do to, um, make sure that the next show is a better show for all of us. Um, so those are, I guess, that's, take. that's great advice because, uh, I can tell you, you are correct at how shocking, how it's shocking how few times artists actually say thank you. And they're in a position where they're asking for a lot. And sometimes as an artist, you feel kind of beaten down because you don't yeah, get absolutely. responses, but when you do be kind, be grateful and say thank you. When, when, uh, I was in a band that was signed, our manager made us send thank you notes, uh, to everybody, anybody we encountered on a professional level that day, whether it be just, uh, you know, going into a store and doing an in-store or radio or whatever. And so every day every, we were filling out all these thank you notes. That's and amazing. It that was a good manager. <laughs> we, we got so many second gigs because of that. It, and it, people would be like, in my 20 years in the music business, no one's ever <laughs> thanked me. <laughs> no, it's true. And learning people's names. I mean, it's the same doing yeah. anything. But yeah. it's obviously harder when you're traveling from city to city every single day and are tired and, you know, your hotel was horrible and all those things. Yeah, I, 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 as an artist, mind is, there are plenty of reasons to be cranky, I can yeah. <laughs> I can say. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is something good for artists to remember that you're a human being that's doing a job and... And you want artists at your venue and you're going to want to work with artists that are easy to work with and memorable and uh, fun to be around. And so it's, it's good to hear that from, from someone who's having to deal with it day in and day out. Well, um, I, the only the other thing I was curious about is just, you know, what the, an artist, even just getting into the New York scene outside of New York, if, if there's any uh, venues or any advice on how to start um, it just, for us that aren't in New York city, it seems like its own world that, uh, it just, whenever someone says, Oh, I'm going to be playing New York city. It's like, Ooh, they got a New York city date. <laughs> I don't know if it seems like that to you living there, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's really nice to hear, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I would say again, I think like in most things, it's really about who, you know, and how deep that connection is. And, you uh, really, it, it takes very, I think it takes, you know, it takes like one person that you know, that knows somebody who is connected to somebody mm-hmm. who works at a venue um, or who has played at that venue before or has, you know, babysat for somebody that's played at that venue before. And I think really figuring out who are your New York people, who are your connections and like, how can they help you? in a really direct way, um, is the way to do it. And then as far as venues, I mean, there's this thing called the live guide, I think live music venue guide that I have in my office. Um, that's like a great listing of all the venues and sort of their capacity and what they do and what types of music they do and sort of the general deals, which is really great. Um, 
that's that's called the live music. Is that something that's it's available? It's called. Let's see. I'm just pulling it off my shelf. A guide to live music venues, New York City. Interesting. I'm not sure if they still put it out, but it's um, the website that I have here is firstliveguide.com. Huh. And it's pretty great. Um, that's so, actually very helpful because uh, even just tracking down venues is hard enough. Yeah, and it's got lots of teeny tiny venues and and you know radio city musical and like your coffee shop so artists so, artists can get that guide and spam everybody <laughs> exactly so that's a good one i mean that's been out for a while so i'm not sure how useful that yeah. is but the, you know um i would say really using any contact you have because mm-hmm. that's how we're at least starting the conversation yeah is through and honestly, a lot through artists. It's mean, you know, I I book a ton of people that I know through another artist that plays at Joe's Pub regularly, hmm. and that's that's sort of my easiest way of sort of associating. And that also tells me like, oh, you're friends with so and so. Well, I bet maybe all of that person's fans that come see them at Joe's Pub will come to this show, or we can talk about how we're co-promoting um, on that list. And it just gives me. Um, a head start in terms of thinking about what you sound like and mm-hmm. how to um, how to interact with people that may want to buy tickets to your show. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Uh, I'm sure another hundred emails piled up while you were <laughs> recording this podcast. <laughs> and um, after this podcast goes live, you'll probably have several thousand more. Um, but I really appreciate you taking time out and. Uh, you know, just sharing some of your expertise and advice to artists. And um, next time in New York City, definitely going to stop by Joe's Pub. Uh, The the, the photos just make it look like an amazing place to see music. And uh, so um, thank you so much. Thank you. I can't wait to see you in New York. That brings us to the tail end of another episode. If you have any thoughts, comments, or tips you want to share about booking shows or planning a tour, we'd love to hear them. You can email us at podcast at cdbabypodcast.com or you can call our listener line at 360-524-2209 or you can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode located at cdbabypodcast.com. You never know, we might just share your comments on the podcast. That's going to do it. We'll catch you next time. Listening to the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast, broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, USA.